Hi, I'm Karen Cashin, CEO of Tech Alpharetta, and this is our podcast series, Driving Innovation, where we explore the people and the companies that are driving innovation in the city of Alpharetta. Today, we have here as our guest, Richard Osterreicher, president and CEO of Streaming Global, tech company located right here in Alpharetta. Richard, welcome. Thank you, Karen. It's a pleasure to be here and speaking with you. Yeah, thanks for joining us. And before we get into it, I just have to say that I am pretty convinced that Streaming Global has the best office location in the city of Alpharetta, right on the city center green. Uh, I think you might be right. Yeah, yes. um, certainly we've been we've been very pleased with uh, with locating in that spot. With all those restaurants right there, I do have to also ask, do you guys have a favorite restaurant on the green there? It's hard to say what a favorite would be because there's so many choices right around the town square there in Alpharetta. But you can find uh, members of my team at Jekyll Brewing or Smoke Jack or uh, Tafford's Tavern uh, pretty much every day. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to choose from there now. Yes. So you have described yourself to me as someone um, who doesn't know what's not possible. That's a that's that a, a that's a fair explanation. I get accused of that a lot. Um, even my own um, business and technology partners will uh, will sometimes complain in in uh, in a fun way that when I write a patent um, that I'm writing patents that can't possibly exist yet, uh, and that happens every now and then. And I'll get some pushback, but uh, to date, all of them have have gone through, and and all of them have become a reality. So. Right. So quintessential outside the box thinker. I think that's fair. And you've always been in the media delivery and graphics space during the course of your career. That's right. In fact, uh, my first job was uh, in high school. I went on a field trip to the local cable company in my town and uh, they had a computer graphics device that had just been installed um, and they needed it to put the lower third graphics up on the news that night. And nobody knew how to new use this new device. And and uh, I saw the director very uh, unhappy and running around. And I st stepped forward in our group of students and said, I'm, I'm happy to put those lower third graphics in for you. And he said, well, do you know how to use this? I said, well, the book's right there. And I've got an hour before the news starts. So, um, <laughs> And you were I, hired. I did it, gave him the, the script with the lower thirds, and he gave me a job that day. That's great. That's great. So, so what was your first uh, real career job? Oh, good question. Um, it was certainly creating computer graphics and create, which back in the late 80s, early 90s meant you had to write your own software to do anything um, uh, useful in computer graphics. We didn't have the kind of software that we have today where it's, it's really interactive and it's really helpful and lets you focus on the creativity. Back then, you were kind of forced into the engineering side. At some point, you joined a company that was a Montreal company. Yeah, after my first venture here in Atlanta, uh, going back to that uh, entrepreneur that I mentioned, uh, Ken Chambliss, um, certainly uh, a luminary for the industry. But after working the midnight shift for about six months, I approached him. I said, look, I've got an idea for a software product that could run on these expensive silicon graphics computers you already have. Let's split it 50-50 if you'll fund it and uh, I'll build it for you and I'll keep my job. Um, and he thought about it for a sec and said 70-30, and I shook his hand as fast as I could. <laughs> My first venture was funded, and uh, within a year, that we showed it at the, the big trade show, uh, NAB, and in Las Vegas, and about a week later, we had a small bidding war over that product, and, 
It was acquired by a company called Softimage out of uh, Montreal, which was the premier 3D software company for the motion picture industry. And uh, so I, I was moved up to Montreal, worked directly for the president and founder of that company, which was a tremendous experience. Saw what it was like to work for a company that had just had a public offering and was, was doing things that was a, at a different right. scale. Yeah, and what an early exit, really, for, for what you had developed. Congratulations on that. Thank you. And I imagine that must have uh, wet your, your entrepreneurial appetite a bit. Uh, yeah, I was bitten by the bug. By that point, there was nothing else you could do. I mean, I just paid off all my student debt and all my wife's student debt. We bought a house all based on something I made, Yeah. you know, during the day when I was in my side job. So how could you not love doing that? Yeah, Obviously, there's a, a lot of risk that comes with that. Um, yeah. But at the same time, the reward is is extremely high. And then at some point, you found yourself working for Microsoft. Tell me about that. Well, while I was at that company in Montreal, um, within about a year and a half of us uh, producing products there, um, Microsoft's uh, then CTO, Nathan Mirvold, um, approached, uh, I guess, uh, the executive committee and uh, Bill Gates was still running the company at the time. Uh, and said, uh, we're gonna be releasing this operating system, Windows NT, this is before that even happened. Um, and they wanted Windows NT to be considered a, a workstation level operating system, you know, to compete with Silicon Graphics or Sun or other sure. uh, at that level instead of just personal computer operating system. Uh, so they went out and handpicked the, the best software company for the Silicon Graphics platform, which happened to be where I was at. Um, and so I, I got to be part of helping them get acquired by Microsoft about a year and a half after they acquired my company. So uh, just a, a, a run of good luck, I'll say. <laughs> well, I don't know if it was all luck. So did you relocate to Washington and, and work for Microsoft after that? It's funny you say that because I by the time that had happened, I was going back and forth between Montreal and Atlanta and my team that I was building was in Atlanta. And when the acquisition happened, we were actually in the King building. Okay. Um, we moved in right there because the Microsoft had their office there before they moved up to Avalon here in Alpharetta. Okay. But I said to my whole team, you know, this is a we've got a lot to do. We're going to be growing a lot of media um, uh, products inside of Microsoft. And I took a vote on the team who wants to work at the mothership, you know, and get all the benefits of living in Redmond, Washington. And it was unanimous. So we all moved our families up to Redmond. Uh, I ended up there for about 10 years and both my daughters were born there in Kirkland, right outside Redmond. Um, and, uh, and then I retired from Microsoft uh, a little later. So you and your team while you were at Microsoft, what were you working on? Uh, I started in the Advanced Consumer Technologies Group um, under Craig Mundy, which was really interesting. We were making technology for, you know, Windows NT and other operating system versions um, that weren't necessarily direct productivity tools like Microsoft Office and, and that whole suite. And this was, I'm sorry, in the early 90s? That's right. Yes. About 92, 93 timeframe. Mm -hmm. And uh, in fact, one of the projects that, that I had to do was, um, this is pre-GPU on a computer, so moving memory was still really slow to be displayed. Um, so being able to, to do anything with graphics was, was pretty slow on computers back then. I imagine so. Plus, you had when the internet started, it was all dial-up, right? It was completely dial-up. Yeah. So let's even separate the internet. Let's just talk about the computer. Um, 
I had uh, approached the kernel uh, programming team, which is the absolute inner ring of the operating system, and said, I need access to some of the registers that you have that you don't expose outside to, to regular applications because I want to make video playback smoothly on this operating system. After a few discussions, um, I'll say uh, they brought up that register. We put it in and, you know, we had smooth video playback for the first time on the Windows platform. Uh, and then uh, I'd say about six months after that, um, Bill Gates called an all-hands meeting. Uh, I can still remember it because there's so many people. I mean, I think that campus was almost 50,000 people at the wow. time. And he said, uh, the internet's not going away. It's, a, it's here to stay. And by next week, every product has to have at least three internet-related features in it. Um, and he turned that entire company on a dime. And I was just absolutely amazed by it. It was a great example um, to watch and to learn from. And uh, every one of the products I had, uh, by that point, because of my media background and computer science, um, I was tapped to lead all development for Microsoft's first digital media group. Wow, what a what a tremendous experience! What did what did you um, what were your takeaways from your time at Microsoft? Aside from the the technical development side, from a business standpoint, you mentioned that you felt like that was your your business school. Um, well, one of the things I learned there for sure is the absolute importance of being able to build a world class team if you're going to deliver a product, especially an innovative or disruptive product to the Absolutely. market. Um, it's not something you do on your own. It's not something you do in a vacuum. Uh, I learned about the different aspects of business, you know, not just uh, the technology side, but the importance of marketing as a, as a customer source of information, not just a loudspeaker after your right, product is done, right. but being able to close that loop on input from the customer, making sure the product is right, that's being, that you're spending those engineering resources on, and then being able to deliver the right product back to that, to that market. Uh, so sales, marketing, engineering, and then being able to track all that from a human resources and finance perspective, because you're in charge, you know, at, at that level, you're in charge of P&L for a small business. Right. You just happen to be inside of a gigantic right. business. So really the perfect training for going off and starting your own business at some point. It really was. Yeah. yeah. And being able to do that uh, every year there right. um, and be able to, you know, I built teams from scratch. I inherited entire teams that were functional, sometimes not functional. I, I had to uh, correct teams and, and, and all of those were really uh, helpful skills to learn. And so after Microsoft, did you in fact go off and, and build your own company? I did. Um, I, uh, I say I retired from Microsoft uh, in 1997, but it was, it was really clear quickly. And when I say quickly, a week, maybe two weeks, I went to my wife and I said, I have to build something or I'm going to go crazy. <laughs> uh, so that lasted about that long. Right. Uh, and then I, I, I came up with an idea for um, a new hardware project, a new kind of computer, um, and started the process of designing that. Um, along the way was writing software for a new operating system that was an upstart um, out of Silicon Valley. Um, and I was just a an independent software developer for that. Um, uh -huh. But that was an interesting uh, chapter. But when I finally <clears throat> got the hardware company off the ground, it ended up being the design for the fastest media server on the planet. Uh, and it was the first kind of computer, or the first computer of its kind, 
to use FPGA chips instead of standard general purpose CPUs okay. as the primary pump of information. So that was highly disruptive to the industry. It, it was. It completely changed the economics for being able to deliver media uh, and the form factor and the power required. With that technology, we were able to deliver every channel on demand, which means you could rewind two weeks on any channel without having to record it ahead of time. Yeah, so pretty I could call you and say, hey, did you see the Braves in that last playoff game? Even if you didn't record it, you could go back and watch it. Um, so, so somebody must have snapped you, you up with that. Instead, we actually got, we ran into uh, resistance from um, another company that made set-top boxes ah. uh, that said that did not want this technology out there because right. their feature was to do that on a set-top box. And if that wasn't necessary anymore, they what didn't want to see that happen. Yeah. So they strong-armed the cable company and said, you know, this is what happens to these set-top boxes you're using if you move. And so, I, again, learning opportunities even when obstacles are in the way. Uh, and that was, a, that was an interesting uh, experience to go through. I moved on to another software startup that I created, and that one went from, you know, zero to first place in its market in about three years. And then it was acquired by a big public company, another two or three years after that. So then you had another exit. Another exit there. But you there. didn't retire after that. No, I knew, you know, retirement's just not in the cards right. for me. As long as like I can- a good entrepreneur, you have to keep at it. I'm gonna keep, uh, you know, there's always room for improvement in technology. And uh, so there's always business opportunity in technology. Absolutely. I said to my wife, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this time to, to give back. I've had a great career. I'm gonna pass the torch and, um, mentor some younger entrepreneurs, and I know they're out there. And the very first group I was introduced to, as serendipity would have it, uh, said that they were three guys from Kennesaw State. Uh -huh. And they said, we're building a streaming media company. <laughs> and I said, well, well, there you go. Funny you say that. And, uh, and, and that ended up becoming uh, Streaming Global, which is where I'm at now. Yes. And yeah, we, uh, we designed the technology together. It turned out to be industry-changing, disruptive technology, and the value became so big, uh, the founders ended up asking me to step in as CEO and demonstrate how to build a company from the inside for them. Once again, foiling your attempts to retire. Completely, yeah. <laughs> Al Pacino, they pulled me back in. Yeah, right. yeah. So you've been there for, what, four or five years? Uh, yeah, since... January of 2017, I've been. I started mentoring, and I was. Uh, I became CEO and stepped into that role uh, mid 2018. And how would you describe the technology that that you and the team developed? Uh, the technology that Streaming Global has is is a really fun one. Um, it's it is a new. The, the best way to describe it is it is a software defined agile transport for media. It can adapt. On to everything from big, you know, data center quality servers all the way down to mobile devices. We can stream in or out of anything in between. Um, and because we do it, we deliver media probably 40 to 100 times faster than conventional streaming. Um, and having been a part of that conventional streaming architecture, it was really easy to see. And it's funny that I'm going to step back one step. When we were developing Streaming Global, it became obvious the technology was just a bit antiquated right. for what right. the it internet had become. Right, a couple decades. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I said, let's take a look at what's out there. And when we were starting to look at streaming service providers and technologies, we realized 
the technology hasn't changed in 25 years, even though the internet is completely different. Ah, so it's ripe for disruption. Perfect opportunity. And I said to the to the founders, look, this is going to happen in your in your career once, maybe twice. Uh, I'm lucky this is my third time, but yeah. it's a uh, it's a perfect opportunity to step back, take a clean sheet of paper, and let's design. Uh, a transport for media that uses today's internet instead of all the baggage that got us here. Right. And when we did that typical technology innovation, we cut out a ton of waste. Uh, we reduced the amount of infrastructure required by about 60%. We improved performance speeds by almost a hundred times. Uh, and we found less moving parts. So we had much more reliability even at large scale audiences, which is really, those are the three things that have really kind of plagued the, the streaming industry. Right, right. And so by being able to deliver on all three of those at the same time, we realized great opportunity, absolutely perfect market timing. Yeah. Uh, and then away we went. And how did the market respond? I imagine that uh, it wasn't too hard to convince people to, That's to funny. license this. It's funny you say that. As an entrepreneur, um, when you deliver disruptive technology, there's a period um, where you're creating it and writing patents and other things. And then there's a period when you get to the market where uh, it's almost like a period of disbelief. <laughs> How can you be delivering something that is that good, that is that, you know, disruptive, right. uh, that's bringing that many business advantages uh, to the to the customers? Um, why didn't we think of it ourselves yeah. is often the, the response you get. And uh, we've spent the last... Uh, year and a half, two years going through that period. And now we're at the point where it's been proven on different continents. It's been proven by different customer sizes and types. And, and now we're, we're signing customers, both, uh, you know, commercial and public sector. That's fantastic. Yes. What, what a great story. So revenues are growing, the company's growing, the customer base is growing. That is correct. And all, all very quietly, you've got a, a visible location, but working very quietly under the radar right here in, in downtown Alpharetta to disrupt an entire industry. Yeah, I'd say every person that we run into on the sidewalk that sees our little sign that's only about that big in Alpharetta says, what does Streaming Global do? And right. that's, that's kind of the perfect place for us to be at the moment. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's a fantastic startup success story. And I appreciate you being here today to share your story with us. Well, thank you, Karen. I, I can't imagine anywhere else we'd, we'd rather be than, than here in Alpharetta.